Hi, it's Sid. Welcome to my Artist Talk series, where I host contemporary photographers, bookmakers, and filmmakers to be in conversation on creative practice. I also speak with curators, publishers, and people who run arts organizations, all those who support and amplify visual culture. We focus on ideas, challenges, and resources. Thank you for joining us. Let's get started. I am so excited for my next artist talk, and it's really a treat um, to have the time to talk to Colleen Plum and to really be introduced to her work again. And it's unusual that for me, what happened is I encountered your work twice in the same place or let's put it this way, I walked through Path Infinitum. I probably have photographs that I took of your installation walking into APAD. <laughs> and I took, because there was a little um, pamphlet, I took the information. So that's a kind of like resource magnet I am. And unfortunately, my brain is this massive Google Drive of that kind of thing. So the idea that APAD this year crossed us over, and oh, you yeah. very kindly sent me this absolutely, really awe-inspiring object. It's mm -hmm. an object in and of itself that is so impactful. And that is on every level from the, the magnitude of it, it's a big book, it's a weighty book, it's a beautiful, colorful book. And the content literally leaves you speechless. And it's one that you just have to come back to again and again. Um, as I mentioned, I, I, I want to have so many people be exposed to this work that you have really culminated um, on so many levels. Cause this work is almost, it's almost a decade in the making. Mm -hmm. And so what I'd, what I'd love to do, cause in this time um, is just open up your creative practice. Um, yes. I want to talk about the, the content of the book that truly has me barreled over really with what I learned and, and am still processing as I think about it and the intersections that you have illuminated are, are still rippling for me. So that mm -hmm. happens with this, with this work. Um, by way of introduction, I will introduce the work a bit and then I'll ask you how the hell you did this and what, what, like, there's so many layers to think like, wow, you just are a bold, tenacious, dedicated artist. And I think you underscore what I have as a premise, which is that women are changing the face of documentary photography. So 
Thank you. So all I want to do is say 30 times a minute, your multimedia project, your multi-year project references the resting rate of, of, of elephants, that you brought yourself to 60 zoos, that you literally engaged this work in 100 countries over almost a decade. Um, I know that you mentioned that you went to an elephant sanctuary, but that began some of this beginning inspiration, but what are you made of that had you grasp this very complex subject on so many levels? Like something, I'm like, okay, I have got to know your past. Like what, what, what do you think is the impetus? You're a real dedicated activist, but you are coming at it artistically so powerfully and from so many different places. So I need to understand. I'll stop talking. Wow. How'd well, this happen? <laughs> oh my God. Thank you. I, you have made, uh, that means a lot to me, all that you just said. Thank you very much. And um, I guess what, where this all started was um, when I think something really bothers me, mm -hmm. it gets my attention and then I become obsessed with it, I would say. So that it's <laughs> almost like, um, you know, not, not in, I'm not really in charge necessarily of what will pull me. And this sure did, you know, mm. it stems from my first book, um, animals are outside today. Mm -hmm. I started, um, in graduate school and that, um, I was so innocently dipping my toe into looking at how, <laughs> how many ways animals, are embedded or inter woven in human lives and all just almost like a survey. Mm -hmm. And that was a 10, 10, 12 year project. And toward the end, it, that project, you know, talk about our work teaching us. Um, it taught me that they're not embedded in our lives or they're not woven there. We use them. Mm -hmm. that's the relationship is that we humans, um, you know, that's what I came away with because at first it was while wow, we eat them or people eat them or put them on their clothing or uh, there's the artificial component everywhere you look, mm -hmm. um, you know, just sort of limitless examination of the ways that animals are um, around, especially in an urban place. It's kind of, mm -hmm. there's a lot of irony or um, funny ways that that would catch my attention but toward the end I went to the United Center where there was a Ringling Brothers circus mm. and it was freezing November cold Chicago and that's when I saw the elephants out in the parking lot and that's where it all began is I saw I was like that is so messed up mm -hmm. and the tents looked pathetic and they were walking you know there's like this driveway at the United Center Mm -hmm. where they came out and marched trunk to tail up this ramp mm -hmm. that, I mean, this huge, huge garage door opened and the, the, no one was around. I'm out there like with the parking attendants, everyone was inside watching the circus. Mm -hmm. And then I watched them march through and you could hear their footsteps. 
and almost and hear their breath. I, I, it was, I was at the fence mm-hmm. and photographing for the book for the, it was toward the end, right mm-hmm. before my book was published for animals outside today. Mm-hmm. And then that began at all where I started, I thought, I think I want to do a video project and um, <laughs> not knowing how to do video. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. um, I spent, and then, you know, I tried to figure that out and get the right equipment. And I took this road trip uh, with my kids who were young at that time to do research. You know, it was like a summer road trip, but uh, under this, like mom is going to do this research and we're going to go see all where elephants live and get to the sanctuary in Tennessee and not knowing anything. I didn't even know that what they, that they exhibit the stereotypic, that abnormal behavior mm-hmm. that's where they're rocking. Mm-hmm. I didn't discover that until South Carolina at the end of the trip, mm-hmm. because I wasn't looking for it. And it shows sort of this, I mean, I made tons of bad video and I was at the, the fence along the sanctuary. The, the sanctuary was huge and we couldn't see any elephants as it should be you know, we don't get to see them. Mm -hmm. And then in the zoos, they were pathetic and it was sad. And my kids were like, why, you know, it's torture Mm -hmm. really in the hot summer. And, um, they thought so. And (laughs) it was like, out of the mouth of babes or I know. Yeah. Right. So that's when it started as I saw joy in Greenville, South Carolina, and she was rocking and I held the, I had a monopod because I was afraid to bring tripod, a tripod into the zoo to call too much attention at first. Then I got really brave and I didn't care, but (laughs) (laughs) just, I mean, they don't care. Oh, they do care actually that I try to, you know, be as unnoticeable as I can Mm -hmm. so that I don't change anything. Um, But I guess I'm getting ahead of myself that uh, that first time in Greenville, and when I saw Joy rocking, mm-hmm. her massive body was rocking back and forth, and I held the camera steady. You know, hello, that's good video. Is hold it steady. <laughs> <laughs> so I got this long, long um, amount of footage of her rocking, and then I came home, and I thought, I think that's what I have to find out more about, and wow. that set me to five years. Five years of filming and collecting as much evidence, I call it evidence, Mm -hmm. um, as I could of this behavior that they do not exhibit in the wild. They don't rock, Mm -hmm. you know, they walk, Mm -hmm. they would walk, they walk 30, 50 miles. Yes. I mean, I learned so much. I actually asked my um, kids whether they, I I asked my son who's studying medicine to, uh, what do you think the heart rate of an elephant is? Um, And then I asked them, how far do you think they walk a day? And then learning that they basically, first of all, they're nomadic and that they are on the move for 20 out of 24 hours was Mm -hmm. in one of your essays. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, your research, I'm going to just back up to underscore a couple things that you already said, because how you work is so amplifying the way I wish to encourage people to work, which Mm -hmm. is have an idea and not know how to implement it, but not have it stop you, number one. Um, Have that impact of seeing 
um, what you described as a pathetic experience and then follow it. Like, right, like you are connected to your own visceral reaction of something not being right. Mm -hmm. And then how that behavior that became, you became aware of the behavior first and then to learn that that is not normal behavior and how atypical it is. Mm -hmm. um, when I was thinking about your work over the trajectory of time, you are really, uh, I would say, um, I don't know if the word is inspired, you're almost compelled to make visible the invisible. Mm. And that's a gift, right? And, and you do it by entering yourself and then following what I would call the breadcrumbs, right? It's like a mm -hmm. Hansel and Gretel. You're, you're, ex you're aware of your own experience and then you are curious and the curiosity leads to just this, as you said so well, you said, I'm not in charge of where it pulls me. I am so going to quote you on that. Like, <laughs> exactly. But that's awesome. Because do you know how many people get ahead? And, and, and it's like, I am a queen of the process will lead you forward. Mm -hmm. Focus on the process, the product will take care of itself. And you are just such an example of that. So I just have to underscore mm -hmm. all those pieces. And I'm thinking about that kind of commitment and you really let yourself be changed over time, right? The first yeah. book leading you to the next book and your premise being blown out of the water, right? That, yeah. that you just kept allowing yourself to learn and expand. And then you've brought us all along with it. So what I'm already thinking about in terms of all this research, all this footage, when you decided that without permission, I'm interacting this, I am bringing this where you live. Hello, human animal. I'm bringing non-human animals into your space and just let it rip. Like you made your experience possible for others and it's life-changing, yeah. right? Oh, wow, yeah. That, that I think was, was, um, I love what you're saying about letting the work lead or, you know, sort of highlighting that because, mm. and at the same time, not knowing during the process, like, you know, I, I feel like, um, self-doubt is a big, um, normal thing for me mm -hmm. that, you know, even during when I was collecting the footage and going to zoo after zoo and just on these road trips to get as many, get to as many places to see who yeah. it was a dedication to the elephants mm -hmm. on some level where I was like, all right, I'll, I can't forget about you. Let me go see what, if what's happening here in Oklahoma. And then I'm like, what am I doing? This is so stupid. That that's the on this yeah. like that inner voice that's saying, why are you doing this? And mm -hmm. I guess that I've learned over the years now is to some of the voice that's like, hi, thanks for visiting, but I don't need you to get in my way mm -hmm. <laughs> and just do it anyway. And so that's the same thing that happened with the, you know, I made the, I had all of this footage and then I didn't quite know what to do with it really. 
mm-hmm. I, to be honest. You know, I thought, oh, well, should this be a durational video that's days and days long, conceptual? Should it be short? Should it be, you know, how to how to deal with the material? And yeah, I the first show was in Miami at the, the screening room with Rhonda Matrani, and mm-hmm. she has a video gallery, and that's where I showed it the first time. It was in inside, mm-hmm. and um, I you know I boiled it down to a twelve minute uh, woven together to try to get each elephant to visually tie to the next one, you know, so it was sort of seamless Mm -hmm. and to not, I mean, it was really scary to do that first show because I didn't know coming from a very traditional photography background. I first of all have uh, this, that I shouldn't do, you know, that I'm like not allowed. Stepping which out, that's, yeah. I know that's like the, another voice. I can just say, yeah. thanks for sharing. Don't need you <laughs> because, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's okay. <laughs> like, you, you yeah. know, it's, I did my homework, but I'm not a, a filmmaker, but I did do, um, learn. It was quite a steep learning curve, let's just mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I climbed it. And when I had that first show, I saw how people reacted. And that was very, I got a lot of confidence from it, that it was, this was a good way to go, that this 12 minutes distilled is really powerful. And that some people were disturbed and left, Mm -hmm. you know, it's almost like a barometer for empathy for people who are watching it because some people, they see it instantly and they, it's too much or I try to keep it really graceful. There's a, it is really sad, but there's this um, rhythm of this grace, Mm -hmm. you know, we rock our babies and we uh, there's prayer that we're rocking that Mm -hmm. is soothing. You know, what, what do we do when we're, you know, we rock and it, it it is a sign of insanity, Mm -hmm. but it's also a way of soothing. And so can we, how much identification do we have with that behavior Mm -hmm. is kind of um, an interesting part of it. So that first show happened. And then I went and I did the first outdoor projection. I got a grant here in Chicago Mm -hmm. and I was just going to do one, (laughs) one. (laughs) I know. Famous last words. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. I saw what, I saw what that reaction to people in this parking lot at this Broadway armory where there were basketball players and, gymnastics kids and uh, cooking school and a senior center. It was this great, it's a great community center here, right in my neighborhood, actually. And I saw the reaction that that got, it was, I projected in the parking lot on mm-hmm. the wall. And so this good. guy, he, it was so, I'll never forget. He, he parked his car and he gets out. He looks up at the wall and he looks at me and he just read the whole situation right away. He goes, man, we're so fucked up. <laughs> Bingo. I was like, I love you. You're that. Yes. You know, so it's like this instant connection that happens. And that's where the projections got kind of addicting is that engagement on the street with people. I never knew what would happen. Yeah. Well, and, and it's like gorilla, um, you know, activism and Mm -hmm. um, that is so wonderful that this person really boiled it down and completely got all of the impact of what you were trying to say. That's so cool. 
yeah, yeah. He, it was powerful it, it kept me going I think the that type of engagement of just hearing what what you said about bringing it to people mm-hmm. and that act of interrupting public space mm-hmm. is so fascinating to me you know it's this unmediated as an artist it was really exciting to just go out turn on the projector mm-hmm. you know there were many levels to it it was the in, that interruption that was so exciting the potential of engagement and being able to talk one person at a time grassroots activist conversation type stuff but mm-hmm. but it gave me so much I felt so powerful in in as an artist that I could just do we don't have to be told yeah. to show the work you just do it and mm-hmm. that felt pretty new and um yeah. and then the the oblig- I felt like this layer of um that the elephants were it was a a service you know it was like some sort of healing Mm -hmm. maybe or Mm -hmm. healing for those who witness this Mm -hmm. suffering and then if they you know if they want like there's that identification with suffering is a profound experience that people just sort of see what I was doing or they would be mystified like what who who, why are you doing this those Mm -hmm. questions of like who's who's paying you it was so baffling to people like what? I'm like no one <laughs> no one I'm that. just doing it yeah and whose permission did you get uh nobody yeah. and also yeah. this idea that you could take it with you like all of a sudden here you were free how metaphorically is that amazing that Mm -hmm. you're free to roam you're free to project this well free you're taking a big risk and you're being bold and you're being purposeful and dedicated but it's like um it makes me think of uh how the re-narrations that we are grappling with uh, collectively right now has so much to do with this. And there were so many pieces that came out. I mean, so I got some of the ripples, right? I got on the ripples of how spectatorship, you made me think of spectatorship. You made me think of all these ways in which we um, manipulate our environment and how we normalize completely flipping abnormal stuff, which is why that guy said, this is so effed up. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, and we don't see it. We normalize in a way that I just, I, I, I can't believe how much you made me think of. I even thought of like topiaries, like we're mimicking animals in topiary and we're cutting greenery to look like it. Like yeah. totally crazy ass stuff. Things like all the <laughs> thoroughbreds, right? And like, you yeah. know, oh no, we want a dog that has A, B and C and knock out, you know, this, like I thought of animal husbandry. Like, I mean, you just kept opening up all these places that I was starting to make this connectivity that was really fascinating. But what I really loved were some of the things that came out in your essays. I, I just had so many quotes, like number one, Julia Cook, where does wilderness begin and end? Mm-hmm. Ah, okay, okay. Like, let me like chew on that for a couple months. And then the idea of you um, bringing this issue to where we live. And I love, I think this is your quote, wanting to puncture social individuality. Like you started to make these connections. 
consumerism, colonialism, um, control, uh, power dynamics, um, you know, control the movement and then control the story. Like we've done this with human people, right? And mm -hmm. so it's mm -hmm. just all this projection or I wouldn't say projection, um, it's just reverberating how many layers. So that's another thing as someone who's really into concept development, I talk about contextualizing your work all the time and you are a master. I mean, mm -hmm. that contextualization, how you're able to talk about this work around individualism, around um, our social collective, um, not only like blindness basically, um, is, is really admirable and kind of amazing. I'm getting a little bit that, and I love this, that as you did the work, the reactions gave you the confidence to move forward with the work. Um, yeah. I was so touched that you have biographies of all oh, the animals. Yeah. <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah. But like putting that together. Um, there were two other parts that I, or three that I wanted to pull from the book because Mandy Suzanne Wang wrote in her essay um, that you wanted, you made the choice to quote, suffer the unlearning of her humanity. Mm. That's unbelievable. And it's yeah. true, right? Like you, you actualized empathy, but you mm. opened the door to it. You had to do it first. You're the one that stood in that parking lot and heard the stomping and could feel their breathing. And then you took that further. Talk about how you worked with sound. Like, okay, oh. you weren't a filmmaker. Now let's go yeah. into a whole yeah. other field. Yeah, the sound, that was, yeah, that was, um, the, in the beginning, I did use sound. Um, I had a, a speaker because I, I created audio for the piece. And, but it competed with the street. So I, I didn't use it. It's more for the, the screen version and for that first version to kind of bring some deep bass um, because actually elephants communicate in the wild through infrasound yes. which is a frequency too low for human ears yes. so I know it's, I wrote that down because I'm like yeah. oh my god how cool is that yeah, yeah. Katie Payne discovered that actually and mm -hmm. she her um yeah it was really just there's so many so many amazing scientists that I have been able to now research and understand their work through the project and you know this question of power is a big one for me mm -hmm. and how to if we can't you know can is there a way to make work about something that's really difficult you know to what does it mean to to make work that is difficult you know it's mm -hmm. it's it's hard to um, get people to look or even want to care or something so mm -hmm. not that it's my job or I mean I don't I feel like it's a fine balance of that I grapple with myself like because it's it is largely invisible the way non-human animals are treated and that it's this awakening that you're talking about like we are in a time right now of awakening to 
injustice that is has been held invisible you know that mm-hmm. we can't we're reckoning with what is um with the status quo and it's yes. it's like we're not tolerating it anymore in our society and i think when it comes to animals there's we're not remotely even there to largely you know to see that these like captivity is an outdated colonial concept but what does it represent it's a structure in our society that we just go along with Mm -hmm. and so it's symbolic of of other injustices that are we uh, take as normal consumerism Mm -hmm. or what we're doing to the planet you know that is certainly you know we're being awakened (laughs) Mm -hmm. right And that will then come, and it's so it's all about really it's a holistic view of how the mess that humans have made, Mm -hmm. how we have created these unsustainable practices with um, what we've done with the land, with um, meat, you know, product like it's the biggest, Mm -hmm. you know, I I I don't know I don't remember quotes or anything. I mean, I do Mm -hmm. all this. I feel like I do all this research and then to like repeat the quote. It's like meat, I think, is the number one thing or concrete. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, it, concrete is um, concrete is the number one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Producer um, because of the, the, the level of waste. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And meat, meaning all that's affecting our methane. I, I do have a quote because I wrote it down when I was looking through the book again, which is 175 birds are killed every 60 seconds in factory slaughterhouses in the United States. I was literally going to say like, okay, in the time we're talking, this is how many were killed. Mm -hmm. And I can still remember the first time I saw that happen. I literally talk about your parking lot experience. I pulled in with my kids in the car to like a a farm and it was a farm stand and, and, and they were selling all the things that they made and grew. Well, we went a little too far and I was in the back where all of a sudden I saw how they killed chickens, which is to Mm -hmm. put them in those metal things upside down and chop off their heads. I was like, oh my God, like it Mm -hmm. was horrific to see, right? And I think, you know, do we need to get to that part to be viscerally moved to look at the things we don't look at? But what I wanted to talk about, because you brought up two things, which I thought was so important, this whole idea of a barometer of um, empathy um, and this idea um, of um, bringing out work that is difficult and wanting people to care, like how is that your work? And that's actually the impetus of a book that um, I spoke with the author, Lauren Walsh, whose book on conversations on documentary photography it, on conflict photography is exactly that. This whole idea, it the impetus started because there was a difficult image. She asked her class at NYU to, to reflect on. And this young person in the class said, I don't want you to like kill my vibe. I've got good things happening today. Like, why should I care? Mm-hmm. And so that that is that was her parking lot moment. And that mm-hmm. made her go through this really amazing uh, process to look at all of that, talk to conflict photographers. So it's, it's fascinating to, to, to get into the soup of art and activism. And we're not mm-hmm. going to be able to even scratch the surface because there's such reverberation and there's positive and negative. There's even trends 
right? And I think in one of the essays, it was noted how animals, you know, were becoming like part of art at a certain point and why. Um, mm -hmm. Really interesting about, about the trajectories of all the places that you have touched in this work. And the only other thing I felt really compelled to underscore is the power structures, right? You're, you're calling question to power structures. You're referring to your own empowerment. And what I'm thinking of in terms of the exposure that you are creating is sovereignty. I just kept thinking sovereignty, like mm -hmm. sovereignty over um, the rights of humans and non-human animals. Mm -hmm. um, it mm -hmm. just reverberated and reverberated. So I, I do just want to ask about your collaborations because I learned about Stephen Wise and the lawyer who's trying to give animals real rights of protection. And so, and I think about all of the auspices that are tirelessly working and you're just like this, like electric current connecting so many of them, right? So can you tell us about that? That's kind of amazing. Yeah, that was a uh, really um, great outgrowth of the project was, um, I felt like somewhat an editor because there's nine essays in the book mm -hmm. and to include um, everybody and Stephen Wise, he, he was, um, you know, he's sort of a North Star because he's been an animal rights lawyer for his whole career. And mm -hmm. it's really come a long way. The um, views, you know, public yes. views. And when he was first starting, he would get so harassed, ostracized, like people would bark making fun of him in the courtroom. Mm. And then um, they actually... Um, there's a documentary about his work called Unlocking the Cage. Mm -hmm. And um, it's uh, here, I have it right here. And we'll and hyperlink to all of these resources. I was gonna ask you yeah. to cut through because my list is huge and I haven't even asked you um, your favorites, but yeah. Okay, so Unlocking yeah, so the Stephen, Cage. He, he um, and Mark Beckoff, he's somebody I've read. He gives me hope. I mean, his, his um, views about animals and emotions mm -hmm. and Joyce Poole has been studying elephants in Africa for her entire career. And I mean, just to even be in contact with these people was yeah. really amazing. And uh, that they felt what, I got invited to an animal conference and I presented the video. And I so it, I found these people <laughs> that were working you know, on the same, they knew all of the elephants that I knew and, but they were going about it in a completely different way. Scientists and, you know, trying to change the law and what mm -hmm. Stephen Wise is doing and the non-human rights project to just give um, elephants or animals. He has a chimpanzee client. And I mean, people think that's ridiculous. Like you're the chimpanzee client. I mean, I even hear it. Like we're so deeply programmed to think that mm -hmm. animals are relegated to not having any um, bodily autonomy. It's just that they are for us to do whatever we want. And mm -hmm. if you meet the welfare laws, that's sufficient. Well, you can keep an orangutan in your garage, you know, and give it water and food and that's legal. Mm 
-hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. they're so, they're so intelligent. They belong to families, but meeting all of these people and working with them um, was just, uh, it's it's less O'Brien. He was, he's a whistleblower um, from Mm -hmm. a Canadian zoo. Wasn't he a former zoo Right. Keeper. That's yes, exactly. That's the yes. guy from your essay. He would. Yeah. He used to beat elephants himself, and then he has. He this said, awakening. "This is not yeah. the way to do it," <laughs> and he tried to change the way the practice. Yep. This macho practice of dominating doesn't work as well as positive reinforcement, and he also was completely laughed at, and you know, told you're weak. You can't do that. Um, so. Who am I forgetting? Oh, Catherine Doyle. Well, well yeah, he finally did. He tried to change the, the industry from the inside. So I found out about all of this. What is a sanctuary that um, Catherine Paul Doyle sanctuary. is? Mm-hmm. I was thinking so, about, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt, but one yeah. of the things that blew my mind is how Western, uh, my perspective is, own it because it is and here you are introducing us to the whole idea the the nepalese who think of the elephant as a person tribes people who will go to listen when one of them has done something that like actually references holding a grudge right and like (laughs) like like holding space to like relate on a different like a communication and Mm -hmm. then i love that in your book you go you circle back to john berger right next to Roland Barton, my heart, right? About mm-hmm. talking on this whole idea of communication and how you know absurdly pompous we are that if you don't use the kind of language we use, just like this, like, hey, like different frequencies, we don't hear it. Like get yeah. with the program that there's a lot of ways yeah. to do this and we're yeah. not on the top, like yeah. crazy. But we're, yeah. I feel like we're getting there. Like things are, I mean, not quite, but I think that people are starting to, yeah, and thinking about all the books that have come out and research about trees communicating with one another and um, that it's, there's an awakening in, in these realms of maybe we don't know, maybe humans don't know everything. And Mm -hmm. that just because we know language um, doesn't mean we know that they don't have their own language that is the same uh, yeah, as, as important. Yeah, and the interconnectivity. I, I did an exhibition at Granary Arts in Utah um, that is called The Rhizome Remains, um, Carrie Lane's work that was all about this idea of the Jungian, well, there's rhizomatic thinking, there's Gutierrez, uh, Deleuze and Gutierrez, this whole idea that we live in a hierarchical world with good, better, best, that has this vertical structure. And the actual real world, like if you look at nature and, and, and don't enter into that viewpoint, it's a horizontal viewpoint Mm -hmm. and the rhizome is interconnected like as we are discovering that trees are communicating in these ways so this whole idea of our strength is actually in our interconnectivity and Mm -hmm. we're like you know we're just running up this ladder to get to the top of this hierarchy and it's like sorry like not not there's nothing there because the sustainability is horizontal um well i know that i will continue to sift through all that you you help me to think of um 
one thing I'd like to do because I think it's really of interest to people is you obviously, in addition to all that we've talked about and all you have been sustaining, you had to fund some of this work. You're a professor, like the, the trajectory of um, um, applying at Radius, that Radius works as a publisher in a particular way of um, choosing who they're going to publish. It's a nonprofit publishing house, um, particularly adept at their design and layering of concepts. So I have a very high regard. Um, but tell us a little bit about your work along those lines, because that's going to that's be in addition to the research, in addition to the guerrilla advocacy, you and all those collaborations, you are also doing this sustaining your work and choosing them. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how you sustain your work as well as putting this very large project in a book form, like a few things about that. I think we have enough time to talk about those two areas because I know the, I can talk to you for a much longer time. Yeah, the um, it was quite a process to work with Radius because I mean, it was, I, David Chickie, he, he's a master yes. you know, in Montana, mm -hmm. um, Curry that I, you know, she designed a lot too. And the, and the, just the whole team, you know, mm -hmm. it was working with Chelsea. She was, she edited the book and was amazing, helped edit the, the bios. And then David, um, you know, I had made dummy books and, it was a matter of really um, trusting his vision to take it and run with it because the um, I had a spiral, which I think kind of has this, it's almost like this uh, teeth or something coming through. It is mm. like this balance between the, the photographs that I hope um, can convey what happened. You know, it's an archive in a way of all of, or a lot it's not all of the projections, but it became, um, you know, truly a collaboration yes. with what should be included, what, where, how, how do we deal with these bios? How do we deal with all of these essays? And it was how to make it, you know, we wanted people to read it. Mm -hmm. So David thought that, you know, I had it as a horizontal book where they, you would turn these big pages, but it wasn't, that's not as friendly to hold and read mm -hmm. so that's why it's a vertical and then this dynamic um some are vertical some are sideways and then the the transparency, oh, transparency. i had <laughs> i made these uh, business cards or not business cards but like cards that i handed mm -hmm. out that mm -hmm. were on transparency material mm -hmm. and then that's when i was talking with david about including that and i thought that maybe we'd include it for the cover or a wrap and he's like no I want to put it inside and like David, that's brilliant. So that is the, the best collaboration. And um, I mean, sustaining myself is like grant propose or, you know, grants and teaching. And um, it's just a matter of a puzzle really mm -hmm. piecing everything together. So uh, the fundraising for this book was, you know, it was hard. It's, it's kind of nice because the hard for me, because it's hard to fundraise, you know, it's mm -hmm. really not my thing, like, ugh, 
who wants to fundraise? Mm -hmm. But the audience for this, it crosses between many audiences. There's the art, there's the photography and art, and there's the animal rights audience. So meeting people at that first conference was so amazing because I met so many of the writers and it, it's created relationships and it um, gave me a, a list of people I could write to and say, do you want to support this project? Because, you know, then the book can, or the, the work on the street happens and it's a fleeting happening that happens, happen, a happening that happens. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but it, it's, it, in the beginning, I wasn't documenting it. And yeah. then I started photographing it thinking, well, maybe I should document this. And then the pictures started getting interesting. So then I took it more seriously, but it did interfere with the projection event. Like I'd have to do it at the very end. And um, where am I going with this? I'm going down some road. Oh, that the book would be a way to have the archive live on. Exactly. You know, it would house perpetuity. It's like yeah, yeah and it would house the the vo I really wanted the voices, these nine um, essays, to carry information to and the bios were so important to me I spent a summer researching Ugh. an entire summer it was really talk about obsessive to find out where everyone that I met along the way where did they where were they born where did they how many it's tragic how many places they're transferred and like Ugh. losing their family and friends and um so I asked the just do you want to support this project and then somehow it cobbled together uh, the funding you know for the book because that's one of the you know hardest parts I think for people is to find funding right yeah well it's the um multivariant ways that you need to engage with your work from these places that are um some more comfortable than others uh, mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, very hard, hard to fundraise, uh, really helpful. Like I love that you're an example of, as you did the work, the, the auspices just showed up and that, you know, the idea of how that was like igniting so many things. That's what I find really exciting that, the the intersections that happened and how that just kept fueling moving forward and, and really reverberating, right? Like your work, your, you know, I, your book is beautiful. And I have had that experience. I've worked with lots of people. I just did a show that came down in Texas that was all about the death of two parents. Um, and it's called Till Death Do Us Part. It is beautiful so mm -hmm. our 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 way of entering into tough subjects that we tend to want to keep our head in the sand about um you're lured in you're lured mm -hmm. in by the the like you said before someone is mystified by what you're doing like you're mystified by this book it's like mm -hmm. it's 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 a beast it's something to reckon with it's big it's heavy it's got so many different textures and it's pretty in ways that are captivating and yet you enter in and then you are down this 
abyss that you are very glad that you slipped into. And mm. it's just uh, an amazing, for me, looking at it, you're hitting so many different points, the concept development points, the collaborative, the contextualizing, the art as activism. And it just like reverberates and so many good people working and being so good at what they do, all of it just keeps like reverberating and amplifying. And that's exactly what I love to see happen. Um, I have a silly question, not really silly, but I love how many times I can come back to a book and still find more to, to, to wonder about. So, and I love the detail that radius can go to. And so on the inner, they're not really end papers because they're housing the oh, book. Yeah. So I was looking at that going, okay, are those zoos? Are those sanctuaries? Are those circuses? Like, like, so is that captivity places? Yes. Okay. For the beginning of captivity there there are people out there um i mean there's a data database that has cataloged every captive elephant that so, you know that yeah yeah so this list is from that catalog that is kept and Catherine doyle hooked, uh, told me about this person mm -hmm. and that's where i got it from it's it's open source. It's just yeah. he, the, the person who, or I don't know if it's one person, but um, they manage it and it keeps, I think it's, it's I'm a sure zoo it thing growing, too. Unfortunately. Well, actually not, there's less, I mean, the, the more and more um, zoos are closing and getting rid of their elephants. Awesome. So that's going good. in the right direction. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. and you have it here in this alphabetical order. And I love that it's, you know, it's part of the transparency. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it becomes a texture. I mean, the problem, it's here. funny that you point that out because I was debating whether or not to include that because I'm, I don't want there to, you know, I don't want to mm, highlight, don't amplify that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I want it to, to say, look at what we've done. Look yeah. at how many, look at how many, um, times there have been, and I love that you brought up that chicken, you know, this, these numbers and oh, that, astounding. that's how I did the whole invisible visible project mm -hmm. is learning about the chickens. And so that number, um, like how to make work or how to deliver information, actual mm -hmm. information in a way that creates an intrigue or what does that mean? Or why are you doing that? And then how can it benefit hopefully um, the greater good or, uh, shift thinking, you know, mm -hmm. that that's, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. seems like, a, the, uh, what I'm kind of going for in a, in a way that is delivered. I mean, I'm not thinking it ahead, like how to deliver this work or how to make work that, you know, I'm kind of, that will be beautiful or, uh, you know, I'm trying to, it's just sort of, is problem solving over and over and over when I'm doing a project. And um, it is, it is um, a challenge, like, because there's so many different ways to go about it. I'm stating the obvious here, but I'm thinking about that chicken project, like mm -hmm. that it is so symbolic to factory oh, yeah. farming 
yeah. and the workers. It's not just the, and mm-hmm. it's not just that we should shut down zoos or shut down slaughterhouses because where is everyone going to work? Mm-hmm. You know, like being realistic at the whole problem that it needs. That's what hope actually hope for Dozian. I didn't mention her. She talks about um, how rights for humans and animals affect health and well-being and health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And that it's, you know, you generally, if you have a slaughterhouse, it's in a place where there's lower income. It's in a lower income area. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what can be replaced that's solution oriented right. or that is, is not killing, is actually sustaining. Um, and then it reverberates. You know, like how you talk about that, these ripples of mm-hmm. if you're putting solution, um, you know, if you're fun or like what they're doing with electric cars, you know, there's certain yes. things that are going to reverberate for change that we have to think creatively and imagine if we can't imagine the a kind future, it, we're not going to make it. So how to really mm-hmm. stick in that realm. Yep. is what I've been thinking lately, like how to really talk about solution. And that's what the new tree project I'm working on. It's like, how, what is solution? What is, what is the solution to a more sustainable way of living and a kinder world? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I'm wanting to dig into mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. I was just going to ask what you, what, what, the project that you're working on right now, if you wanted to mention, um, <laughs> you're also making me think that I was just at a, a benefit um, for a project here in, um, in East Boston, and it was the turning over of vacant lots to grow food and how that has done this massive Um, blossoming of information like it hits the notes that you're just talking about where the solution is sustainable and it's not a one-stop shopping like oh close this it's like no all these things are interconnected and you need to keep that interconnectivity uh, front and center so like it can be sustainable and work you know uh, in 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 many ways towards other structures that have to, to be sustained. Like it's, it's very interesting. And I love the, that you use the word kind because just like the zookeeper was called weak or whatever, it's like, well, actually, if we are honest, everything that we're built upon is exceedingly violent, like exceedingly barbaric and violent. We've, you know, to each other, to the earth. Um, and, uh, we can sign up for that. So how about letting go of it and signing up for something completely different, right? Yeah. 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 That hope and solution and no, seeing the problem, but then mm-hmm. once we, so that's hopefully what the elephant work can be. Like we'll, mm-hmm. we, if we don't see it, then we don't know and exactly. then we won't change. So solution comes from identifying it first and you know, or un- uncovering, you know. Absolutely. Um, is, the- I, I get where you're, I mean, it's this whole thing of awareness and it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel good to acknowledge our responsibility and culpability. And it's not, it's complex. It's not, these things are not easy to, mm-hmm. to fix. However, the hope is 
this awareness, this, you know, and the synergistic process that happens when you've got a lot of people working towards solutions. And it is about imagination. I talk about Frederick Douglass all the time, who was so ahead and basically tied to photography and telling us that our imaginations are what bring us forward. Mm. You know, we have to imagine it. Yeah. Hold the space. Yeah. Paying attention. And that's what the, 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 this new project I'm doing is uh, I, it's even too, almost too early to talk about, but it definitely which is, is yep. which it's fun. I mean, I, I don't talk about it in a way that where I know what it is. I'm working with materials uh, that I'm collecting. I've noticed that this is part of what I'm must be doing is like collecting, like mm-hmm. collecting elephants, collecting sycamore branches and collecting bark and dealing with it in the dark room. And, but it's a, like maybe the the theme or the overarching thing that that I'm noticing that this is about is paying attention and that what does it mean to pay attention and that in paying attention we honor you know mm-hmm. we're if there's these street trees you know I live in Chicago and mm-hmm. there's these street trees that are uh, I pay attention to I think people do but I really do where I it's about the sycamores that are. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the winter, there are these white, beautiful, um, almost like a beacon, and that there's a connectivity to mm-hmm. the earth through these trees, and that. So uh, that's I'm in basically my backyard is filled with collected. I take my Edmund dog for a walk, and we collect the shed bark that people might think of it as a nuisance, but it's beautiful. You know, every mm-hmm. piece is so gorgeous. So then to really pay attention to that, it becomes a practice. Mm-hmm. And then the branches that fall, I'm filming my hands as I peel the bark. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's this honoring, but also violence and it's obsessive and like this to get to this wood that looks like fingerprints. It's so beautiful underneath mm-hmm. the bark. And essentially saving it from rotting, you know, by mm. peeling the bark off of it. So hopefully there'll be an installation. When I did the chicken project, the invisible visible, that's what started to, um, me thinking in terms of installations. Mm-hmm. And then I did a snow lily uh, installation yes. where I had mm-hmm. the space, you know, that is quite a thing to, to mm. be dealing with space and objects and activation and so I'm being, I was led, I guess I'm mm-hmm. that this, as soon as I say, I think I must be losing my mind is must. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> a good project. I have my neighbor saying, it looks like you're building a beaver dam on oh, one side. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So oh God, it's been I fun. Get it. It's been a fun summer. <laughs> okay. Oh, that is so funny. Well, you make me think of two things and I, I don't want to wrap, but we will need to, but yeah. you crack me up because in my in my um, designing days, I was putting in a um, I was tasked with bringing in uh, it was actually a fundraiser, but it was a fashion show. And I was obsessed, like one thing led to another about what I was going to contribute. And hilariously, in this circular fashion, I saw a mask on a adult on Halloween that was a Venetian mask. It was beautiful with 
with notes on it, you know, musical mm -hmm. notes. And that stuck in my head. And somehow I decided I was going to make a cello dress and that I, the whole bodice was going to be, and it was silk dupioni. And I made the amber sounds out of leather. And I need to do this in a time frame and on a budget. And I went to a secondhand store and bought this really, really kind of hideous um, wedding dress that was polyester and and just not a nice fabric. But anyway, it had a really good frame, uh, train. And I saw it off the top, took the train, and I'm putting it together with the bodice I make. And I still remember because I had a babysitter at the time. And I'm on my driveway burning the edges of the train. And like, like she's like almost coming home like, do I really want to bring this kid back to this house? Like, what are you doing? And, and so I totally yeah. love that. Like if yeah. you're losing your mind, it, it is a good yeah. point. Um, yeah. but you, you made me think of something else because that's so true. Um, oh, when you were talking about collecting as an overarching aspect of what you do, I think the other thing I love, and you're doing it again, is the juxtaposition, like you're bringing things to out of their habitats necessarily mm. and, and making like, it's that um, dissonance that is very mm. exciting. It's like, it's like that whole saying of um, the crack is where the light gets in. You're bringing disparate pieces together or places putting them together is where you get the entrance point. That that's beautiful. It's, you're so, I, I love, <laughs> well, first of all, I can't believe I'm even on this podcast. Cause I listened to you. I told you all the time. And it's so, so funny. They, Thank I, you. I was like horrified beforehand. I'm like, well, am I, how many ums will I say and drive whoever's <laughs> listening crazy, <laughs> but you're so good at these, well, um, at the, the distilling mm. of artists work and how you describe it is so beautiful. So it means a lot to hear you throughout this whole conversation. Um, what you're saying means you. a lot. And I guess I, that's a, that I'll write that down too, that like, <laughs> if it doesn't fit together, I, <laughs> Well, it's that disparate place that takes it. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I don't make the work. I think about the work. So uh, mm. my time mm -hmm. is all about putting those correlations together. And frankly, good or bad, it's how my mind works. Like mm -hmm. literally, um, yeah, it just is. Um, mm -hmm. But what I really love, and which, which is an honor to talk to people and learn about their process, I work with people individually, and it's my privilege to be, like I said to you, I ride shotgun. I mean, my favorite mm -hmm. things is, you know, concept development, photography, and the impact of art to change collective thought, individual and collective all those mm -hmm. come together. Um, like that's my medium, that's my work. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and also love to write. It's really fun because I would love the opportunity to write on people's process because that's, that's what I spend my time thinking about. Um, and you and others give me so much to work mm -hmm. with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, really fun. I, um, I so appreciate it. Yeah, well, Thank thanks. You. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome.